Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, everybody. We got a great episode of The Command Zone coming up. We're joined by the Reverend N. Fuego from BJ Shea's Geek Nation. And a very warm welcome to all of you that might be visiting our podcast today. So today, Rev is here to discuss the logistics of Commander on Magic the Gathering Online and a brand new decklist for Voltron Shu Yun the Silent Tempest. It's pretty deadly. Today's show is brought to you by Blood Brothers 2, which I mentioned before on the show last week. It's a turn-based RPG on Apple and Android devices. Now, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can download it right now for absolutely free. One of my favorite words in the world is free, whether or not I'm cheating a creature into play or just downloading something from the App Store. So if you've played other turn-based RPGs in the past, you're going to feel right at home with this game. It's also notably the sequel to the first title by the same name, and it's improved gameplay on pretty much every level. So the art is improved, the mechanics are smoother, and the game is just more polished as a whole. It's really enjoyable. I can't can't recommend it enough if you're looking for a new game on your mobile device. Check it out now at bloodbrothers2.com. That's the number two. Or download it from the App Store or Google Play. All right, on to the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Command Zone, episode number 29. My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are joined by a very special guest, the Reverend Enfuego. Introduce howdy, yourself. Howdy, howdy. Hey, yeah, I am uh, the Reverend Enfuego um, from BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Uh, you can find out what we do is uh, www.bjgeeknation.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rev Enfuego. And our podcast normally just talks about a lot of geeky stuff, but every Tuesday we talk magic. Yes, and it's a great podcast. Uh, you guys gave us an awesome shout-out in the last episode, so thank you very much for that. It was super appreciated. Yeah, the podcast, well, I, your guys' podcast, uh, I've been listening to for a while. E- even the episodes that don't have to do with magic, because, you know, we people in the magic community, we tend to like the same things that are outside of magic, so yeah. you guys talk yeah. about, a lot about sort of like a lot of comic book movies and TV shows and a lot of that kind of thing, so it's... It's totally fun to not just only listen to magic podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we can't all do like three hour set reviews every week. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, exactly. I, I love I love giving a shout out to limited resources. Oh yeah, but it's it, it it frightens me when it's the five hour podcasts. Yeah, Turn- I still haven't finished their latest set review. Is that sorry, finished- Marshall? Sorry, dude. <laughs> I finished the uh, the rares and the uh, the mythic rares one because I was like. I, these are more interesting to me right now because <laughs> I play Commander and like these are the cards I'm probably going to put in my deck. But the review doesn't help you for Commander. It doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. But I like hearing him talk about it anyway mm-hmm. because it's always good to know how to judge because there's such a different power scale level. That's a whole nother episode, of course. Yeah. So, Rev, do you want to talk about, like, I know you're a big EDH player, um, but do you want to talk about your history with the format? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting because I'd heard of it before, but I wasn't wholly interested in it. I was doing a lot of standard at the time and this was uh, right around World Wake mm-hmm. and so it was still kind of early in uh, uh, its inception you know mm-hmm. you've heard about it and trying to figure out what would be cool and lo and behold I opened a foil Rexial 
There is indeed. Ah, that's <laughs> a commander. It's a commander, and it's a build-around commander. And it was like, okay, he loves the graveyard. What do you do? Well, one of my favorite decks of all time has been mill decks. Uh-huh. I love doing it. And, of course, what's more of a challenge to do than make a mill deck that has to revolve around uh, commander decks, which are 100-card decks? Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of make that an interesting way to go about it. And so with uh, Rexiel's ability, it's like, okay, I'll just start casting my opponent's spells, which means I can also animate stuff if I start getting rid of that. So I got into a reanimation and then just, you know, casting all of my opponent's spells cards. Nice. So, and then it was all downhill from there? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I played that for a long time. I loved it. Uh, when uh, Guild Pack came out, I updated it to Lazav, and it's pretty much my favorite commander deck um, out of my old school ones up until actually last week, I think. Nice. <laughs> Which is going to be, is that going to, is it supplanted by the deck we're going to talk about later? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to talk about Shu Yun uh, later because he's got, Rev's got a pretty sweet Shu Yun build I'm, that uh, I'm so excited. We've been seeing Twitter picks for a, a while now, so there's some yeah. pretty ridiculous stuff going on. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Now, how many uh, EDH decks do you have, Rev? Um, currently, right now, I have about six. Um, I've got Duretti, which I don't ever play because <laughs> I it's, it's Artifact Recursion and then just Mass Land Destruction. <laughs> Ooh, Armageddon. Oh, so it's Make Friends deck. Yeah, Make Friends. Mono, Mono Red, Tectonic Edge, Ruination, Wildfire, Burning of Zing. Do you have Blood Moon in there? All of those. Um, and then, yeah, you just monster. I'm glad so. some of us are having fun, you Josh. You monster. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I only bring that out if I want to like. Those are your two. Are those like. your two mean decks? Yeah, um, my Zedra deck is kind of chaotic, where I just kind of make everything go on forever. Nice. I like the sound of that. Yeah, and then give you terrible things like Grid Monitor, so you can't cast your creature spells or <laughs> um, Illusions of Grandeur. So I, it comes into play. I gain twenty life, and then I give it to you, and then somehow I bounce it back or nice. destroy it. So you lose the twenty life, and usually ends with that or. Uh, like, if I can get Venzer out with that, that means I can just start doing that every turn, gaining right. 20 and someone Ooh. losing 20. Man, that is dirty. That seems pretty good. Um, and then I've got, like, a lot more along the lines of my themes. I've got a Thraxmundor zombie deck where all the creatures are zombies or mad scientists. I got a couple of mad scientists in there. Mm-hmm. And then even, like, with that, it's uh, black, blue, red. But, like, the reds are, like, only spells like Blasphemous Act or, like, Grimoire of the Dead for my artifacts just so it's kind of like a spooky feel. Oh, so that's sort of like your Vorthosi deck? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Sounds like, like you've got, you run the gamut novel. here. Yeah, you definitely have some interesting, fun decks. We should play. So, so I, <laughs> yeah. I know you play, are those like all decks that are on Magic Online or are some of those no, real? No, those or? are my physical ones. Uh-huh. Um, now, I have a ton, like, okay, I have even more like decks uh, for Magic Online. One, two, three. I have about 12 decks right now on Magic Online. Wow. Here's the the cool thing about Magic Online is that you only need one of any card Mm -hmm. because you don't have to flip them out between decks. It can just be used. Oh, right. Right. So one soul ring across every deck. Exactly. Um, Or some of the harder spells I like. For some reason, all of my blue decks have um, omniscience in them. Even though it all costs 10, usually I can figure out a way to get it out. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, I don't know, Counterspell or Swan Song or so. Counterspell, counterspell is in almost all of them. And, I don't, and, and a lot of the decks are blue just because, I mean, come on, blue's blue's awesome. color. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, Sorry, Jimmy. 
Blue's the best color, which, uh, you know, Jimmy doesn't oh, like. Clearly, to that. Lightning Bolt is the best card <laughs> in Magic Gathering. So red. Which is, which is weird because it's terrible for Commander. Oh, it is the worst Commander card you could ask but, for. But, like, even in my non-blue decks, I have a, a black, red uh, Timer at the Murder King, oh, which nice. is... Um, all of the black and red, um, either like reanimate effects or um, steel effects, like threaten, mark of mut- mutiny, act of treason, um, up steel to you know, Jiren Instigator. Do you have a Marchesa deck? Uh, no. She's my favorite uh, deck that I have. It's he it, basically built the same deck as your Timurit deck, I think. Yeah, it's just is... threaten and remove everything with the addition of blue. Oh yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, this was this was uh, one of those ones where because. If I get an idea for a deck, or I'll see a commander, I'll be like, all right, well, this is interesting. The beauty of Magic Online is you can go and you can go to the search, and you can just put display quantity at zero, and it'll show you every card that's in there for those specific colors or whatever, so you can go down to all the colors. And at that point, you're just kind of running through. It's almost like running through uh, Gatherer Online. Mm -hmm. You can just find any card that works with that. So yeah, I find, you know, I'll look at like a traitor's blood and I'll like, all right, see some of the keywords, trample, haste, gain control, put it in the search and find all of those that work with that. Yeah. And then boom, you've got a total theme deck right there. Yeah. So it sounds like deck building is a lot easier. Well, one of the biggest headaches about deck building in real yeah. life is just like taking cards out, putting them back. Yeah. It's just taking again. the boxes yeah. down off the shelf and opening them up and figuring out where everything is. Yeah. Yeah. Before um, before Treasure Cruise got banned in Modern, I had three set aside. I thought I did because I was going to put them in my um, Splinter Twin deck. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking everywhere. I tore all of my boxes looking for them. <laughs> and then I realized I had put them all in my Commander decks. <laughs> Well, Just hey, they can stay there now. Yeah, nice they can stay there. They have a happy home there now. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice warm place right there. Oh, but well, yeah, your Splitter so... Twin deck is probably a lot better now. Yeah. That, uh, that oh, yeah, Twins, it's, yeah. It's definitely poised to be better for that, but yeah. Yeah. Tarmogoyf came rushing back onto the scene, didn't he? Oh, man. I, I was just looking at a couple of those on eBay, wondering if I should pull the trigger. Wait, well, I think we got to wait till. I think Ma- we have to wait for Modern Masters, Masters yeah. 2 and see what Well, that's Tassiger like. seems to be pretty good, too. Uh, Tassiger oh, seems boy. awesome. Well, oh. I pulled a foil Tassiger just the other day. What? Yeah. Josh, yeah. that's like 20 to $30 right now. Woo-hoo. No, that's that's telling you to make a commander deck when you yeah. pull a foil yep. legendary. Yeah, like Rexio. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I might. I'm scared because Jimmy just built this Anafenza deck that he's basically playing like constantly. <laughs> so I don't know if the Tassiger deck like right now is good yeah. idea in our playgroup. Well, the Anafenza only gets cast when I see another commander I don't. Right, like. but if I play Tassiger, you're oh, just gonna yeah. cast her on turn three every time. So yeah, that'd be great. You can get back all your lands. Just gonna and wait stuff for our meta graveyard. to cycle a little, and then maybe I'll build it. <laughs> yeah, just so, maybe. Well, this is really interesting because we haven't talked about Magic Online. Um, at all, really? Really, before, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jimmy and I play a lot of uh, MTGO, but we don't. We mostly draft and play limited. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Commander has. There's some tough things about it. Um, mm-hmm. When I've tried, I've tried it a couple times. So, what? How do you? How do you find like the communication? Like the social aspect of the game, I feel like has a little bit yeah. of trouble on online. It's a yeah. With well, with Magic Online, I mean, you guys have played it enough to you know the guys who get super salty. Mm-hmm. Just online anything. Yeah, yeah when there's just, no face to face interaction, it's real easy to get your emotions up. Yeah, so most of the time, I really don't pay attention to the chat. Right. Um, just because I mean, sometimes some people try to talk with it, and you'll kind of get a vibe for that. But for the most part, 
if you're like actually communicating with people, they're usually yelling at you because you're ruining their time because you're not letting them cast their big giant spell, right. leaving them alone to go infinite and kill you. They're trying to uh, so does combo it take off. the political aspect out a little bit? Do you find that it's just sort of more? I would think that would make the game more yeah. aggro in general than if there was less communication. Yeah, and it can be because like somewhat like if you attack somebody, they they could just be like, all right, I understand why you're attacking me because I'm the only person that's open right. to. The other end of the spectrum, which is this is all out nuclear war. <laughs> Everyone cast everything and go yeah, nuts. I hate you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of those times people will try to just try not to do stuff. And I'm not like about that. So like when I've been doing with Shu Young, usually I'll be able to like kill someone because I'll just come out of nowhere, do it and just wipe someone out in one turn. But then, of course, I'm done. Right, everyone just turns and looks at you like, wait well, if, a minute. If you see somebody do that, then you have to because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, well, if he can kill somebody on one turn where it looks like he can't, then he could just kill me at any moment. Yeah. And what I try to do is it's it's really much, it's pretty much a glass cannon, but if they don't have a lot of removal or I can pull some sort of hexproof shenanigans, mm-hmm. then it, it gets really frightening for him. But I'll try to take out, usually I'll try to take out the person who's playing blue and green. Yeah. Because usually they're the uh, cheekiest. And if I, you let them have enough time to set up, and then no. Or if you're doing five color, if you're doing five color or Aloro, those are the first targets. Aloro. Aloro. Just sitting yeah. there being like, I dare you. I dare yeah. you could be. I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> the best part about Aloro, though, is 21 commander damage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you, when you play online, do you play often with the same people, or is it always different people? Do, it, yeah, what, how do you do? Can you develop up something? A, a play group? Yeah, on, if you just online, like or? go to the play lobbies. And they have them all set up for if you go to like constructed open play and just for fun and you can set the format for what you want. You can do like one on one multiplayer. A lot of times people go and it's like the three to six free for all and they'll get four players. And sometimes even the comments say, you know, four players only or some people will try to say no counterspell infinite combo decks. We want to have fun. Oh, cool. But at that point, it really doesn't matter because you can put in any deck. You're just kind of playing by the honor system. Right. Uh, and if you already you, don't care about getting yeah. yelled at, at that point, you really yeah. don't pay attention to chat if you're bringing the counters. How long do how <laughs> long do games take on on Magic Online? It, it's it's a slog sometimes, depending on the deck. I mean, if, if you're going in, because sometimes I mean, if I want to like take forever, if I just want to spend a night hanging out, maybe I don't have anything planned and I'm just chilling, watching a TV show and playing Magic. Uh-huh. I'll like play Zedru because Zedru is easily a two hour deck. Oh wow. Where I can just yeah, you just stall it, the you game out for a long time. Yeah, you just kind of go through all the turns, and it's like if it's four players, it's it can be kind of long, but that's about it. Do you find that games online are faster than real life games, or vice versa? No, because you got to go through all the steps. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the keys you can do in, the, in this is if you press F eight, it is an auto yield for everything. It's as long as you can't do anything, you'll just pass priority. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so what a lot of you do in the early turns, since it's all, those are like setup turns pretty much. Um, it's like, you'll tap all of your lands. So you can't cast any spells or even tap your lands, hit F8 at the beginning. It'll have that set up the whole time and you'll just burn through till it's your turn again. Gotcha. That's actually really interesting. I could see that. I mean, obviously holding up a two mana counter spell is something that you could broadcast a lot more if that's sort of the, uh, but then you got to sit there and click like (laughs) basically every time anybody casts anything, you have to be like, okay, that goes, that resolves, that resolves. For me, I have almost all of my stops set up because there'll be that one time where I needed it to be at that one moment where I had to, you know, stop them at their Mm -hmm. upkeep to tap something. And then if I don't have it, then I lose and I get mad. (laughs) Now, what do you think about the general, uh, player, I guess, 
quality is kind of a weird word for it, but just sort of like, are, are there more spiky players playing online? Do people like one-on-one stuff, or is it more uh, people it, that just don't have a play group, for instance? Um, it really varies because, and it's the whole, that's the big problem with Magic Online is everyone has their version of fun. Mm-hmm. And so someone's version of fun is playing an all-land destruction deck. There's a couple of them floating around there. Um, someone's version of fun is playing Slivers, which can be fun but also can put a you know big target on you because it's slivers and yeah. it gets mm-hmm. scary. I'll, sometimes it turns into kind of a, uh, a flavor of the week. When Nekasar came out, there was a ton of Nekasar decks. And... A lot of them were built the same with, you know, using Teferi's Puzzle Box and massive draw effects just to wipe people out. Mm-hmm. And so people, there'll be people who will, you know, kind of scoff and be like, oh, another, you know, such and such deck. I've seen a couple of Shu Yuns this week already after I've been going crazy with it. So it's nice. starting to pick up. Yeah, yeah. You're a trendsetter. Pe- <laughs> yeah, people have just realized just how powerful it was. And I was just like, I hadn't been paying attention to a lot of them, but listening to you guys talk about it, and I was like, yeah, he's... A more insane version of Rafiq. Yeah, he he can go so wide comparatively. It's pretty insane. Oh, yeah, it's pretty hilarious actually. I was able to pull a uh, killed a guy with a twenty seven twenty seven Bruna. Wow, <laughs> that I don't even, I don't even think I've ever gone that you gave that double strike to. <laughs> no, he didn't have double strike because I had to do so many other things and it was a it was really chaotic. But and it you didn't all, need it evidently. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't need it, but it would have been a lot of fun. Uh, I found I really, I've only heard of the rumblings of Eldrazi Conscription in Standard for a short while. Uh It was all based off of the Sovereigns of Lost Alara Eldrazi Conscription combo where you can just go tutor it right up. Right, and just play it. Yeah, and this is just the most fun thing to do with this deck. Like, (laughs) when I can do it now, it's just so much fun. Just to play Eldrazi Conscription is just hilarious. Annihilator is also just such (laughs) such a mean mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Well, I'm really glad that you built this deck because I, uh, just in a sort of like a fever dream, I like built something really fast. I just took everything out of a minor. I was like, this looks good, this looks good, and I don't even have the commander yet. That's how excited I am. You don't so. have a shoe yet? No, I was going oh, to borrow you yours. Yeah. <laughs> if I borrow well, everybody, he means just take. Forever. I mean, he means just own, yeah. And then defeat you with it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, so probably. The, 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 I'm going to take your shoe yun and hit you in the face with it. Yeah. The crazy thing about my shoe young is was I had missed a modern tournament, so I came back home and I decided to draft and I opened I have a foil shoe young now and it was that me nice. I had to. Like it's magic online. That I is a sign, right? That's the universal yeah. sign for you gotta build it. Yeah. I've I've opened a bunch of shoe I think I've opened like four. I gave one two away at a at pre releases. Guys were like, I want to build a commander deck and I was like, here. Dang it. Flavor <laughs> nice. of the week indeed, but it's okay. Mine will be <laughs> The best. I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll have to have you play heads up against oh, wow. Rev's Interesting. deck. Although, Rev, does your deck only exist online? It only exists online right now. But How are we I supposed to play against it in Vegas, then? <laughs> I love this one so much, I'm going to try to build it before Vegas. All right, deal. I've got yeah. a lot of the cards. I don't, like... <laughs> Like Magic Online, like with when they did Vintage Masters, made it a lot easier to get stuff like dual lands. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like the power level of my paper one won't be comparable just because how easy it is to get dual lands now online. Yeah, true. But true. That's, an ups- point, that's another upside of, uh, of Magic Online is mm-hmm. a lot of those sort of staple cards recently because of Vintage Masters are 
Yeah, and that's like what I said before about going through like a deck and going and putting uh, like, oh, like even though I don't own a card, I'm going to put it in here, putting the quantity at zero to figure out the best deck that I want to build, is you can take all the cards you don't own, like right-click, add them to your wish list, and you can just find them pretty easily online. And sometimes the cards are like four cents. Yeah, that's always nice about... I mean, again, that's one of my favorite things about Commander in general. And I'm guessing the same goes for Modo, where you can just... Some things are just absurdly cheap, but are just the perfect card for a deck. Yeah, and I mean, it's so easy now, I mean, even with paper products, to buy cards online and have them shipped to you. Yeah. Well, the great thing about Moto, though, is, like, you can get it in less than 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to wait for it. Yeah, like, if you want to build that deck, like, like the deck we talked about last week, Mm -hmm. um, I ordered all the cards, and I'm still getting cards in the mail, and I probably won't be able to finish building (laughs) it until the end of this week, because that's just how long it takes the cards, which is fast considering like five well, or yeah. six years ago <laughs> but moto it's literally like you make the deck list and then in an hour you can have all the cards yeah and be playing online with it too yeah yeah so, i've done that a lot <laughs> <laughs> so uh moving on to something you wanted to talk about um which is an interesting uh idea we haven't talked about really on the show was uh was themes in edh was was something you said you were sort of yeah you had something to say about and i guess the first question is you know, what do you mean by theme when, when, when you're talking about... Um... Well, themes can mean anything um, that just had... Well, I mean, like a theme. Uh, like with my Shu Young, uh, I went with an enchantment, uh, an enchantment Matters theme. So mm-hmm. I'm going mm-hmm. with auras. That's just because I'm looking for, you know, what they call the Voltron, where you just load up one guy with something huge and you punch through. Um, another theme would be my, like I said, Nekusar which is just uh, draw a whole bunch of spell decks. So there's a lot of Wheel of Fortune effects, a right. lot of uh, it's like time spiral, big sorts of things like that, um, to even something like my Thraxamundar, which is zombies. And up until recently, it was every creature type had to be a zombie. Um, but now I've gone, and I think just because of uh, Gisa, Ghoulcaller Gisa, and oh, yes. uh, Stitchcrafter, um, I put those guys in, and then the old Rune Master guys for Mad Scientists. Um, so it's like the horror theme or, um, just some way to get it down to, I guess, a reasonable amount of cards because magic has so many cards. If you just went and tried to just put in all of the good stuff, you're going to kind of have the same decks all the time. Yep. Yeah. If you just go value cards, you're just going to have, you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor and Tarmogoyfs and Flickerwisps and all those just sort of. Just the value value cards. cards, Yeah. yeah. I, I think, you know. Yeah, a theme is like an organizing principle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we've Absolutely. talked about it before as like a mission statement or yeah, a, yeah. a thesis statement. Yeah, yeah, okay. And usually yeah. when we're deck teching, we'll have segments that say enchantments matter. And I think matter is the important word here. It's because it, for most decks, like having a theme or a mission statement or a way that you can focus your attention slash deck building into one thing to build around it in a lot of ways yeah. is a nice thing for a theme. I think, like, you know, a question we've had from some people, though, is how you decide upon what that is. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you go, Rev, how do you go about, like, figuring out, you know, what your theme's going to be? I look, um, it's got to be one of those things where it's like, I need to know uh, what I want to accomplish with the commander. Um, anyone can win, like, magic. And mm-hmm. I, this is where I go uber Johnny with Anyone um, can commanders. win magic. It's true. Doesn't and mean that so, everyone will. <laughs> just that everyone will. Yeah. It's just a deep state. It's a deep thought. So I figure out like what would be the coolest, neatest ways to be able to do that. And sometimes with like Shu Young, it's just attacking with a gigantic one gigantic dude. Yeah. Um right. with Timerate, it's killing you with your own guys and then smacking you in the face with them. Um 
with Zedru, it's usually making you concede. Um, <laughs> because that is, oh, that's great. <laughs> one of the ways that I win with the deck, and it's just, is uh, I play Knowledge Pool after I have like my an effect yeah. out that will stop them from being able to use the secondary ability, something like a Possibility Storm. Or, uh, well, Possibility Storm is the same thing as uh, that, but use like Teferi yep. to make it so they can only cast with... It's just basically bending the rules to make you concede because you get mad. <laughs> and essentially what happens with that is that with a Knowledge Pool or a Possibility Storm in Teferi out, they can't cast the second spell because you, oh, can, only wow. you can only cast, cast one. a spell yeah. when there's nothing on the stack, but Knowledge Pool's ability is on the stack. And so people then are like, well, how does that work? And then you have to pull out the rules, and then they get mad because you've used rules to beat them. And people don't like that. <laughs> people do not like that at all. Yeah, Knowledge Pool is actually really fun if you don't abuse it in that way, and you just literally let the card play out how it's supposed to. Yeah. Then it oh, just yeah, still screws everything up. People still get mad because they're like, we had a game the other night, and I got Knowledge Pool out. and we You got playing. everything out that game somehow. <laughs> yeah, it was well, so chaotic. Well, I got Knowledge Pool out... Uh, let me read Knowledge Pool really quick. It's um six. It's a six-costed artifact. It says, Imprint, when Knowledge Pool enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top three cards of his or her library. Then, whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If the player does, he or she may cast another non-land card exiled with Knowledge Pool without paying that card's mana cost. So, so you beautiful. don't get the spell that you cast. You get another one. You actually cast one of the spells that was exiled with knowledge pool, so basically you have to cast a spell to cast another spell. That's, that's not the one that you sort of a. Cast. It's there's like a group pool of spells that you can choose one of them. I yep. love the idea of it. It's I so think awesome. it's hilarious, especially for a game like Commander, where you're just going to get some wonky things in there. Some people just can't deal with it though. Like um, Eli, who's our editor on the show, he was playing and he just looked at it and goes, "I'm just not going to cast anything." <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, just cast something." He's like, "Why?" I, I you know, I'm like, "You have a two drop creature in your hand. Look, there's a five drop creature in the knowledge pool. You." Can just yep. get it for that two mana and he's yeah. like he's like no i'm just not gonna do it <laughs> he's like just screw you i liked it uh, i sort of like the uh, i abstain from this measure yeah. and you guys can have fun until someone the rest of us were like i'm artifact. gonna cast this what's in there what can i get uh yeah. i'll take I, that it, well the funny thing is that you also had humility in the other combo off so uh, no one could cast a creature so it didn't even matter i was like i want to cast something but then if i cast anything else it just dies so I'm Humility is anything. one of those cards that <laughs> the, the, the layers and the confusion with that one is like, that's oh, a yeah. card that I won't personally play in paper. I found myself asking the exact same question about the card every time I was like, wait, so if I play this card, you're saying it's just a nothing one. happens? The answer is always the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's wait, 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 what about this one that hasn't entered the battlefield? No, if I, it's no. a one one. Oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that card and um, like Warp World or Scrambleverse effects. Warp I'll, World, yeah. I'll play them online because you don't have to worry about going through the steps of everyone shuffling and revealing and figuring right. out how that works. It does it by itself. That's another beauty of having magic online. Tutoring Not, must be much easier. Well, just shuffling yeah. and, and moving cards from, from like where you would physically zones, have to yeah. move them yeah. is a lot faster on magic online. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, at the same point, trying to do infinite combos takes forever because you have to go through every step. So you can't really do Kiki, uh, Kiki Pod or uh, Splinter uh, Twin or yeah, anything like that. Well, not pot anymore. Because, because in real life, you just demonstrate the loop. And, and then, then they concede. Yeah. But mm. in a, and on Magic Online, you literally have to click OK like a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I have a Melek, uh, is it Paragon Commander deck. And I've got the evil, you know, Mana Flare, High Tide, uh, Palancron. <laughs> I love Palancron. Yeah, yeah. And I'll start doing it and just getting infinite mana, and it's taking forever, and people will just vote me out. You can vote to kick people out, too. Oh, wow. Um, what? 
Yeah. Are they just beat from the game? They can't even come. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Well, they realize that like I'm just going to be sitting there kind of dirtling for a while and it's going to take forever. Uh, and and if everybody if they kick you agrees, out, the game their game still keeps going, and you're their game gone. still keeps going. I'm just done. They've literally kicked you out. Everyone has to vote for it, and everyone can has to vote. Can we do that yes. in real life next time we play, Josh? But no, because that more probably going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you cast humility. <laughs> Who else would we kick? It out? wasn't humility that was a problem. It was the combination of that yeah. with Ether Flash that was. The they problem. just killed everything as soon as it entered. Yeah, that was great. Um, that's really interesting. Um, I guess that kind of brings the social aspect back to Moto a little bit because you don't want to be that guy that everyone wants to kick out. I guess yeah, you, so for much the of, most part you don't want to. Sometimes if I'm in a bad mood, then sure, why not? <laughs> take, it, take it out of some poor soul on moto yeah well where they the worst is they just go play another game so oh yeah exactly yeah yeah the downside to me is so much of what i like about commander is the politics is like yeah. lobbying people at the table like hey man you don't want to do that to me look <laughs> at that over there that's really scary he's gonna kill you next turn if you don't do something about that you know that yeah. part of the game is like so much f- of the fun for me yeah I like oh, being yeah, the threat and then denying that you're a threat. That's always fun. Yeah, I like <laughs> literally like just playing games. Like, no, that's not going to do anything. Like, what are you talking about? And Two somebody, turns later, yeah. I win. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's like, no, that's one piece of a combo, and he's going to do this. And you're like, no, that that card, that other card's not even in this deck. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> just bold face lying. I don't have that card. Of course, I don't have. I'm casting yeah. that card right now. How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, so back to the uh, the themes topic. One thing I wanted to ask to you, and I have a, um, I, I built a couple of decks that are. Trying Tribal. So tribal is one mm-hmm. of the themes you can do, like zombies, Absolutely. humans, goblins. And my Nora and the Wary deck is now sort of goblin tribal. Um, and it used to be Kiki-Jiki. And so what happened is the power level sort of went down a fair amount. Yeah. Um, how do you personally find like a balance? Because obviously you can make a super thematic deck that's worthless to the max, but just struggles to get off the ground. Or you could do one that has that mix of, for instance, you're saying you put in Gisa and stuff in the zombie deck. Yeah, with like like with the zombie deck, um, that was one of those ones where I have so much fun playing just because I just I just poop out a ton of zombies and it's amazing and it's fun to see just having all your tokens out there and doing that. But at the same point, zombies don't fly, so if anything flies, I lose. Yeah. Um, or if they have board wipes, which everyone has board wipes, so I lose. So it's just one of those where I know the power level isn't that great. So if I know like I've got friends who sometimes don't always play with a lot of board wipes, oh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play that one a little bit more. Um, but for the most part, like I mean, with with Magic Online, it's it gets kind of crazy because you can just go go absolutely nuts and have the same cards. Like I think all of my blue decks have Time Spiral because I've got one and I want to use it. Yeah, you may um, as well. But with uh, with I guess with just with the power levels of those, it's like you just kind of kind of have to figure out what works and what doesn't work in terms of if it works with a theme and you're having fun with it, cool. But if it's like if it's the one card you're always tutoring for to win the games, maybe take it out just so you have a little bit of something else to do with your deck. Right. Yeah, that, you know, that's something we had Jason Alt from Brainstorm Brewery on, and uh, that was one of his big statements, and I think it's it's a good one, which is like, if the game is ending in the same way every time when you win, then maybe your deck is, it's, it needs a, maybe a little retuning. Yeah. It might be too powerful. That might be a um, uh, sort of symptom of it being too powerful. Yeah. If it's yeah. just got this one way that wins every time. So it's, it's also it's, boring too, right? Yeah, and it's one of the things. It's like, and it always comes to you know like the the gray areas of what you consider sportsmanship and sporting and whatnot. Uh, like I don't like running in a lot of my even like my Edric deck, which would pretty much abuse it. I don't like running Dead Eye Navigator. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just there's so much potential for abuse, and all you have to do is have 
you know, with blue-green, okay, I have an acidic slime. Now I just win because I blow up everything. Right. And, I mean, if you want to end the games that way, that's one thing. But uh, if you're just sitting around doing kind of beer and magic sort of stuff, you know, hanging out, having some fun, it's, that's, why I, that's why I play Commander. It's, it's kind of the same version of, you know, Poker Night. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. On the same, on the same note, I'm, I'm always quick to say, like, when somebody does that, you know, Deadeye Navigator combo with whatever and, and kills, like, it's not that big a deal. Don't get too mad. Like, it's, you're yeah, going you to play a lot of games of Magic in your life. Just shuffle up, play another one. Don't be so scared <laughs> yeah, exactly. to play like, another right, game. You won that one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it happens every single game with the same matter, then it's like, okay, all right, I'm... Yeah, maybe you should help your friend make a new deck. <laughs> yeah, or just get rid of a couple of key cards. Um, and yeah, I do like that. I think that's a really good theory in general, just because, I mean, like, look, this isn't your, you know, this isn't like Stoneblade and Legacy. You're not trying to just get a batter skull out and win with that every single game, you know. Like, there are other, this is Commander. There, You have one of every single card, so I if you're searching just for a couple of them. It's then, one mm-hmm. of the things that spikes don't get and why they sort of revile the format in, uh, in a lot of ways is because that is actually the goal mm-hmm. in Legacy, in Modern, in Standard, is actually to win the same way every time. Like, yeah. that's why the the decks are trying to reach the highest level of consistency possible. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah, of, well, that's why you get four copies of something, Yeah, that's right? the whole point yeah. of playing competitively is, like, you want to kill them pretty much the same way every time. Like, if you could find the deck that killed them in the same way every mm-hmm. time, that's what you want to build. But it, And with Commander, I mean, you can make a theme deck and have all of the tutors, but that's the thing I don't like about... I don't run a lot of tutors in mine either. Uh, in a lot of my decks, um, I'll run, you know, the good draw spells. I'll run Brainstorm. I'll run um, right. the different ones. But I don't run the tutors because then I just end up looking for the same things. I kind of like being surprised. One of the cards I run in a lot of my red decks, even though it drives everyone nuts and it usually makes me lose, is Possibility Storm, which I already mentioned, <laughs> because suddenly everyone's game plan is completely out the window because whatever spell they cast, they have to go find one of the same type but they don't know what it is unless they can really stack their deck every time. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It changes everything. Um, one thing I do is I do run a lot of tutors, but I don't run a ton of deck where I have, like, combos that involve the commander. Mm-hmm. So what happens is I have to go tutor for, like, one piece, but then I still, you know, I'd have to find the other piece or, you know, I don't actually run a lot of two-card infinite combos either, but I think when you build, like, a deck that's really revolving around an enchantment or two... Mm-hmm then it's like your enchantment is kind of like your commander. Like, that's the card you want to get out. Yeah. But you need the tutor to go get the enchantment. So, you know, you can't even really start doing stuff sometimes until you get that card or the card that lets you find that card. You know, I think that's one way to sort of dial the power level down out of your deck is, like, don't base it on the commander because the commander is just a card that you always have access to. And if you've got, you know, Niv-Mizzet and you've got one of two cards, you know, if you just happen to draw it, you you can just win. Yeah, a 59 or whatever. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's in, in that deck, tutors are way too powerful because there's two cards that you literally just win on the spot. Yeah. And if you put in two or three tutors, now there's five cards in the deck that you just win on the spot. Yeah, I guess for my, my I just sort of threw all my Planeswalkers into a deck and I realized that it doesn't work unless I have doubling season out. Otherwise, it's just the power level is way too low. <laughs> so that's like the one card <laughs> that I also, have to get. And also, if you get a Planeswalker or two out, like everyone just attacks you. Yeah, exactly. So you don't mm-hmm. have much of a uh, if you don't have doubling season, time. then there's no the upside's gone, but the downside's still there, which is yeah. like people just scared of planeswalkers, <laughs> rightly so. Yeah, I wanted to make a Corona the uh, False God five color deck because I would use Corona as the commander and then have the entire pantheon and then all the planeswalkers. I realized this is way too expensive to actually do on paper, so <laughs> I kind of threw that away. But that was kind of another theme that I had that you have the upper echelon. I mean, I was making theme decks back. I had a white black angels and demons that went and i had like 
an archangel and some black demon as the top lieutenants, all the way down to like a couple of knights on each side with flanking. Uh-huh. So I had like a whole deck like that. So I love kind of telling stories with decks in sort of geeky, dorky ways. It's one of the cool things about our format is there's just so many ways to yeah. go about. Like, yeah. And you can always make something competitive, too. You can have cards in there that may not be awesome, you know, or, like, you're going to want... It's going to pass all parts of the Quadrant Test or whatever, but if it fits the Vorthos and is really... Has, like, a couple of really fun or cute interactions, then, like, it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. And the politics is the thing that can even it out for you, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's the one format where, like, playing a crappy card out can actually help you because it's like I said last week, you know, I play Market Festival in a lot of decks. It's not a very good card, and, and it actually helps you. Like, you play it, and people go, well, that's a crappy card. That guy doesn't know what he's doing, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're not a threat, <laughs> you know? So there can be advantages to, you know, playing Vorthosi and playing cards that maybe are suboptimal. All my cards are suboptimal until I play them, Josh. Then they're fully optimized. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Actually, that's I why I like shooting a lot. Means. I have no idea either. I was I was thinking <laughs> of shooting because everything that you do cast in this deck is like, guess what? That card just has some extra text on it, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, the extra yeah. text is kill you. Yeah. Yeah, let's um, talk about it. Okay, let's get into it. Before we launch into the Shuyun deck tech for today, we're taking a few seconds to let you know that the show today is brought to you by the new mobile RPG, Blood Brothers 2. One thing I always find myself doing in Los Angeles is waiting. So whether it's with a friend in a car in traffic, and trust me, there is a lot of traffic, or a waiting room for an audition, I'm pretty much constantly looking for something to help pass the time in an enjoyable way. And my mobile device is literally a lifesaver, whether or not I'm looking just something up online, building a new deck list, or playing a game. And one of those games I'm playing right now is Blood Brothers 2. It offers me a lot of what I'm looking for in that you can pick it up and put it down and play it for just short bursts at a time. And there's also an incredible amount of customization within the game when you want to go deeper, since you're always trying to build and improve your army to defeat foes. And we're not just talking about computer AI. There is an emphasis on player versus player action in the game. So if you're interested at all, go check out Blood brothers2.com that's the number two or just download the game for free on the app store or google play thanks again everyone for listening to the show we are super stoked as always to be able to bring on episode by episode sponsors to help us keep producing the content now let's talk about some voltron shu yun or is it shu yun yeah whatever shu yun the tempest well before we start we should we should we should tell everyone what this commander does so uh shu yun we talked about it in our fate reforged review uh it's a rare from from fate reforged and it's a legendary creature. It's the Jeskai Khan... Uh, from a thousand from years ago. the olden days, yeah. Uh, and his name is Shuyun, the Silent Tempest. He's two in a blue for a 3-2 legendary creature, Human Monk. So any of you guys that want to build a monk tribal, I guess you could also do that here. Uh, so he has Prowess, and to remind you what that is, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So non-creature spells, enchantments, sorceries, instants, planeswalkers, artifacts, all that stuff. And uh, the big text and why, of course, we're talking about him today is whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may play. You may pay two Boros. So that's red, white, red, white. You can either play, uh, pay red, 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 white, or white, white. And if you do, target creature gains double strike until end of turn. The big thing there is target creature. So it doesn't yeah. have to be mm. Shu Yun that gets the double strike. It can strike. be... Any, it could even be an opponent's creature <laughs> if you are feeling crazy. Or you could do it when one of your opponents is attacking another opponent. Ooh, yes, that's right. So it's yeah, you can give other commanders uh, that double strike if you wanted to. Jeez, what a fast way to end the game in their favor, huh? Yeah, that's absolutely. very interesting. Well, it's your favor too. I mean, right, you eventually, right. it's, it's like great. You're tapped Highlander, out. there can Here be comes, only one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the nice thing is that uh, Shuyun is a Jeskai uh, general because he has. Uh, the hybrid mana in his description box, and you have to use that as part text, of his yeah. yeah, rules text. So that makes him red, white, and blue. Go Which America. is awesome. It is awesome. Because this and is, mono blue would have been a little less 
great. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. it would be considerably less great. So when you read this, you know, you we talked about it already, uh, Rev, you chose to go with enchantments, but there's really a lot of ways you could go with Shu Yun. Like you could do all um, equipment. Uh, oh, yeah. Because those are all non-creature spells, so they'll do the same thing. You could go a lot of instants and sorceries, you know, combat tricky stuff. Um, so do you want to explain, you know, why you chose the path that you chose? Uh, just listening to you guys talk about him and then talking about Rafik, and, uh, and a lot of the times with Rafik, you want to go with equipment and such like that. And I was just thinking, you know, blue and white have some really, really good enchantments. Mm-hmm. And so they're just... I was thinking about it, and then it hit me about with all of the bestow creatures, and how oh, you nice. could make you could make a Voltron deck, and you could have a bunch of the bestow creatures because they're good either way. If you don't have a guy, suddenly you will have one, right? And if not, you can just load it onto something else. And then also going with just the same colors of uh, having hexproof, which means you guys are going to be safe. So I was thinking of all the cool hexproof creatures, and then it came to you know Geist. And uh, Narset, and even as lowly as the little uh, invisible stalker. One of my favorite cards, by the way. Yeah, it's just the tiny pinger. I mean, in, also true name Nemesis as well. Oh, right. For one person I, specifically, yeah. Yeah, for one person. So it, it gets down to one of those where sometimes you just want to kill one person. Hopefully, everyone realizes that you're not going to hurt them. And, right. A true yeah. name Nemesis dropping onto the board and targeting one person is politically very great because everyone's like, okay, cool. I know. I'm not scared of that yeah, thing. I'm not at scared all. of that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then at that point, you hope you can throw on as many enchantments on it as possible that give it protection from all colors and creatures and things. Yeah, can still, yeah and then exactly. they can't get rid of it after Then they're that. like, oh crap, that thing can still kill me even though he named somebody else. Yeah, as soon as you drop Spectra War, then everyone just goes, oh, uh, right, uh, that, oh, yeah. that card, dang it. <laughs> well, I think also it's really cool to go with uh, an enchantment, and this is really an aura theme, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just pretty rare. We don't see that a lot. Like most Voltron decks are using equipment because equipment are sort of more safe in that if the creature out from under the equipment dies, most of the time your equipment's going to stick around. Right. And auras are sort of historically risky. Yeah. They're risky because, you know, a lot of good auras are like, oh, if the creature dies, the aura is gone too. So you can just get kind of blown out. So you don't see a lot of uh, aura-based enchantment decks. So it's kind of cool to see one. I think that makes it unique in a way, which which is cool, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and to that means you got to kind of figure out some tricks, like I said, with the hex proof, um, or even like running the deck. I run Leyland of Anticipation in it to give you flash, so I can flash Shu Young in at the end of a turn. He'll have haste. They're not ready for it. Yeah, and any sorcery speed out. stuff won't. Well, yeah, won't have to worry about that. Uh, plus, that gets pretty fun if I've got something like a retether and they've killed him a couple of times, and I've got enchantments in the graveyard. During their attack step, I suddenly do that, add the extra two, and give them all Holy the uh, enchantments moly. and double strike and That's, usually death. Retether is an insane card. It's replenished, mm-hmm. but for auras. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, it's three in the white for a source who return each aura card from your graveyard to play. Only creatures can be enchanted this way. Uh, four mana, everything comes back. Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about some of the big enchantments because I think that's the fun, the the yeah. sort of coolest part of the deck. I mean, for me anyway, because I always look at these cards and I'm like, I'm just too scared to play them. You know, yeah, so I this agree. is the deck where it's the right place to play them. The first one actually is one that I've I've passed over multiple times in my binder, being like, oh, that's so. Uh, uh, I want to, but I don't want to like, every <laughs> time. Um, and it's Angelic Destiny. Oh yeah, which is an amazing card. It's two and two white, so four total. 
Enchant creature, uh, enchanted creature gets plus four, plus four, has flying and first strike, and is an angel in addition to its other types. When enchant creature dies, return angelic destiny to its owner's hand. So the the downside is a little bit mitigated on this card, right? Because you get it back, kind of like um, rancor. You as know? long as they don't exile it, yeah. As okay. long or, as or unsummon it or something. And the problem with it as well is that if it's on your commander, your Shu Young, if you send your commander back to the command zone, you won't get it back. Right, right, right. It but has to go to the graveyard. It, it, for any other cards, for any other creatures that I have out there, it's usually worthwhile. It's plus four, plus four, flying in first strike for yeah, four mana. For four mana. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. That's a, yeah, that's a beating. Do you find that you normally are suiting up um, Shu Yun's because commander damage, or are you often suiting up another creature? Shu Yung usually is the first target, unless they're playing a lot of dedicated removal that I know of, like, and they're going to get rid of him off the first time, or they know how dangerous he is. If I cast him on, like, turn three, um, I'm looking to suit him up turn four with something big. Right, and just bash. Yeah, because, or if I can get it earlier with, you know, maybe a lucky soul ring or something, I'm going to be putting something on him. And sometimes it's just as simple as popping a curiosity on him, and then hitting that double strike so I can get a couple extra cards. But I'm always looking at the commander damage. If I've got somebody set up and lined up for that, I like to pop it a little early. So if somebody gets a little crazy and I need to get in some unblockable damage, if I can do that, it's I don't have to try to get 21 commander damage. I only have to get maybe 15 or 16, right. which sounds crazy, but it's actually pretty easy to do once it gets into like turn 6 or 7. Yeah, because all he has to be is like a... Seven, seven, or yeah. so. Yeah, this feels like a snowball that once it starts going down the hill, gets just deadlier and deadlier the bigger it grows. Because the, oh, yeah. I mean, you just have more gas to you know do stuff with. Yeah, the silent tempest turns into a rather noisy hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, shooting the noisy hurricane. There's a card I really liked on here uh, that I may not have thought of. Um, is Afara's enlightenment? Afara, mm-hmm. Afara, Afara, Afara. She's not a closer. <laughs> Ifura. They always come up with these names that just make me sound as geeky as possible when I say them. <laughs> and this one's all, uh, kind of a tongue twister, too. Yeah. You can barely get it out. <laughs> um, so it's uh, one and Azorius, so three mana total, one white blue. Enchantment aura, it says enchant creature. When Afar's Enlightenment enters the battlefield, put a 1 1 counter on enchanted creature. En- enchanted creature has flying. And then this next part, which I thought was really interesting, is whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may return Afara's Enlightenment to its owner's hand. Oh, that's really nice, actually. Yeah, because it allows you to not only prowess Shuyun, but also something that can, you know, you can use Play as again. the catalyst to yeah. activate his, act, his double strike ability, like when maybe you don't have... Because do you ever find that you don't have a non-creature spell in hand sometimes and you want one? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some times um, if there has been... Uh, uh, I should probably wheel, put a Wheel of Fortune here just looking at it now. But if it's like a time spiral that doesn't go off or someone does a big draw spell or like a windfall or something, a lot of people are running those, and I end up with nothing but lands, uh, or in like if I can get just a small creature to pop out with that, suddenly um, I can start doing that with recurring and at least get a little bit more damage in. Yeah, because it, it also keep, the counter will stay, so it, mm-hmm. it does give the bump. It's the, You'll lose the flying, I guess. But, yeah, it just seems like a good way to sort of have a repeatable way to activate Shu Yun's ability to give somebody double strike. Right. And or also you can play it on someone else too. Let's say yeah. Shu Yun is yeah. now, yeah. Uh, you know, what's the, what are I've those had, cards that stop it from attacking or blocking? I have, I actually had someone cast a pacifism on him. There you go, yeah. And then, you know, just being able to do that. I don't think I had the Affairs Enlightenment, but at the same point, he was taken out, but he was still in the game, so any other prowess stuff just has to go to someone else. That Affairs right, Enlightenment right. then can go to someone else to give that creature the evasion. Because usually flying is... Sometimes flying is all you really need. 
I mean, you can yeah, al- if seriously. you're in a game with it with four players or so, you can almost always find one person that doesn't have flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's usually like, oh, I got flying. Oh, I can at least kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And the interesting thing is too is after you play another creature, you're usually doing it after combat, so the flying does not matter as much anymore, and you won't need the flying to block in that case. So when you bring it back to your hand. In the second main phase, like you can just play it in your first main the next right, time and have right. that flying for whoever you want to swing next time. Yeah. So nice. the next section I sort of have marked down. We already talked about bestow creatures, but the next one is sort of like creatures that like enchantments. Oh yes. This mm. is yeah. This is something you talked about earlier. Um, so you do sort of have some tutor type effects in here because there's creatures that'll go find stuff like. Um, Boon Weaver Giant. Yeah, you want to read him? <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. I liked playing this guy in Limited. I had him and Spectre Ward in the Limited uh, deck once. In Limited? That's turn just seven mean. Turn seven is just like, guess who loses? You! <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's a seven mana for a four, four, a six in the white. So immediately it's like, hold on. There's got to be something good here. And it is good. Um, it's even better in Commander. When Boon Weaver Giant enters the battlefield, you may search your graveyard hand and or library for an aura card and put it onto the battlefield attached to Boon Weaver Giant. If you search your library this way, then you shuffle it. So yeah. it cheats an aura into play onto From him. anywhere, except for so Exile. Just a tutor. See, there's a couple yeah, of ones. Yeah, he's also I mean, a recursion there's, there's guy. There's Heliod's yeah. Pilgrim, and there's a couple of tutors. But he's like yeah, a this stone is, force this is a guy who's for... looking in his closet, and he's <laughs> looking to suit up. And usually he gets suited up with uh, Eldrazi Conscription. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. Why would it ever be something else? What's yeah. better? Eldrazi Conscription, we've mentioned a couple times. I'll read it really quick. It's kind uh, of the big daddy of uh, yeah, auras. Yeah, it's eight colorless mana for a tribal enchantment, Eldrazi Aura. It says enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus 10, plus 10. Yes, you heard that correctly. And has trample and annihilator. Annihilator means whenever the creature attacks, defending player sacrifices that many permanents. So, so all the Eldrazi two have means, annihilator. Yeah, yeah, annihilator 2 means just by turning it sideways, they have to sacrifice two permanents. Oof. Yeah. And then they got to deal with the plus 10, plus 10 trample thing also. you know. That's... So yeah, suddenly they have like a 14-14. I did it with Bruna. Um, it was fun because with her... I saw that screenshot. I almost vomited. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. But uh, sometimes I don't have, like with uh, a Boonweaver, if I need something that's going to stick around or I need life, I can snag something that can give me um, lifelink. Even though I think the only thing I have is, uh, at this point, a Daybreak Coronet, which makes it a little awkward because you have to have an enchantment on it already. Oh, right, right, to get all that other stuff, yeah. There are, if I've already got something like that, say I, maybe I have the old Drowsy Conscription in my hand. Like, that's actually really bad. But um, <laughs> if I need unblockable, I've got like Tricks of the Trade to give it unblockability. Penman's Aura, which can give it Shroud if I yeah, know the Yeah, we talked about that card cool. last episode. That card's a house. Yeah, or if I just want, if I know that the only way they can get me is through damage, I can just pop on a Spectral Ward. And at just that point, like you said, he's just a 6 6 beef. But at the same point, you can just throw other stuff. There's a lot of the cards. I could go get an Arcanum Wings, which is the future shifted card that has the aura swap. So if I've got the, well, conscription in my hand, I can just boom, put that out there. And then hopefully the next turn, maybe I can't cast the conscription, but I can swap it in. Oh, wow. So how many cards have aura swap? By the way, aura swap just is one. just Arcanum Wings. Yeah, it's time I believe shifted. so. Oh, geez. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's for future side, right? Yeah. Aura, aura Arcanum Wings is one in the blue for an enchantment aura. And you enchant a creature, it gives it flying. And then you have aura swap for two in the blue, which is exchange this aura with an aura card in your hand. <laughs> 
That's really crazy. Again, it's a card that cheats mana cost, which, yeah. as we always talk about on the show, anything that cheats a mana cost is going to be super powerful. Anything from this set <laughs> is going to be super powerful. Yeah, Future Sight was a lot of the cards were mechanics that were going to, you know, quote-unquote, exist in the future of Magic, but didn't, didn't exist yet. And what, still and don't exist. one of them yeah. that is the only one of a kind, yeah. Or, this is the only card with Aura Swap on it. Seems pretty good. Interesting. You think they would have made it like some kind of cycle back in the day? Or maybe they had some other kind of swaps. But either way, Future Sight, home of many cards that are incredibly powerful. And totally unique. Yeah, totally unique, too. I like it. And different art style, too. The whole border thing really mm-hmm. threw me off the first time I saw one of those cards. Super pretty. Yeah. Uh, another card I see on here is Hero of Eroas. Who's which, seeing actually some uh, standard yeah, play. Yeah, seeing some standard play. And uh, it's a really simple card. It's one in a white for a 2-2 human soldier. But it says, Aura spells you cast cost one less to cast. So that seems like it's a little bit of ramp. And then whenever it's got that heroic ability whenever you cast a spell that targets the hero of Rose, put a 1-1 counter on it. But I would think that the ability to like reduce the casting cost of all your enchantments by one is pretty good. It helps a lot. A, a lot of the c- cards cost, you know, um, double color. There's a lot of two color uh, types, mm-hmm. um, or even two of one color. So anytime you can get any mana out of there, um, you know, try to squeeze a little bit out of there and get just some of the spells a little bit cheaper. It helps, and it goes a long way to help you be able to get to your uh, double strike ability. Yeah, that's out. what I was gonna say. Is like part of the thing is like if you cast a enchantment that costs five mana, like you you want two mana left to activate Shuyun's ability and give something double strike. And totally. Now you're getting pretty mana hungry, so it seems like anything that can either ramp you or reduce the casting cost is going to be pretty valuable. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it turns something like an Eel Umbra into a one blue, keep my guy alive for one of your removal spells because he's got totem armor and it makes right. a lot of makes a lot of the things just a little bit cheaper and yeah it just it infinitely helps you out yeah i noticed you had a lot of the umbra um enchantments on there and is, is that mostly to just protect the creature from getting removed yeah those are the like the eel umbra is the flash one so you can do i can do it quickly and the crab umbra was the cheapest one and it untaps, which can help as well. So it's like I was looking, and when I first started through it, I threw out all the totem armors, and I was like, oh, these are all great. And then some of them just aren't as good, or some of them are just flat out way too expensive. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, the goal with this deck is to just swing in with either a Voltron Commander or go somewhat wide and just, th- and, you know, just whoever they don't block, you give double strike to or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see, I mean, obviously being able to pla- uh, protect your creatures with, like, your Eel Umbra at flash speed is incredibly important. Um, how often do you find that you're on defense where something like Crab Umbra where you can untap your creatures to potentially block or something is actually pertinent? If, if, if it fits a long game and I haven't really done a whole lot of stuff and I'm just kind of hanging out and I haven't actually really attacked someone or I've kind of spread it out where I'm just building up to maybe take a couple people out in successive turns, then I can kind of, that comes into place. Um, usually if it gets into that, I'm hoping that I would have like a Bruna out or one of my enchantments that give vigilance as opposed to having the Umbra mana. Right, right. But at the same point, it's it's a quasi-vigilance. So sometimes it does come into play. It really comes into play if I've got Spirit Link on something. Because if oh, I'm yeah. punching someone for a lot, they're going to try to come back. And if I can have something that's untapped with lifelink, then my life's a lot better. Right, and it just really deters people from swinging into you as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, a question I have is something 
is like how often are you able to kill more than one player in a turn? Like that's something that I think oh, yeah. commander decks like very often want to be able to do is like suddenly burst forward and, and take down two or three different people. Have you have you considered putting in some of the like extra combat? Uh, you know, like add another combat after this one type cards, like Scourge of the Throne or whatever. Yeah, or even like Relentless Assault too. Yeah. yeah. Those are good ones, and I haven't really thought about those. It'd probably be better than some of the cards I have in here. Like right now, I just threw an Outpost Siege to see if that would be any good. Yeah, oh, for card draw. Just it's more card draw, yeah. and it might be able to be something like that. I guess, yeah, I don't see the Dragons one doing a whole lot for me in this deck. So it's one of those cards that since it only does one thing, it might not be worthwhile, and I might just want to try to find a Chandra if I'm going to go that way. It feels but, like you're in blue, too. You could you could find the card draw that you want. You know, Outpost mm-hmm. Siege is... Outpost Siege is decent card draw, but I feel like Blue's probably got better stuff than that. Yeah, and the only other problem with cards that give, like, the Relentless Assault effects is they're usually really expensive. Yeah, true. Uh-huh. And I'm already mana-starved in this deck. It is, it's so hard to want to do all of the things you want to do because you're essentially adding two mana to at least one spell a turn. Right. Right, so... So all of a sudden you don't have extra. I can't really go too crazy with it, which turns it into really a glass cannon. Like I said, you can take someone out and then you just hope they don't have the removal. The crackback or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also noticed that in your artifacts you have a lot of the signets, uh, like Azoria signets and, and Boros signet, mm-hmm. which lets you add either blue or white and tap one uh, or red or, red or white. And you, you're, I'm assuming you, you need a lot of ramp to just be able to trigger Shuyun reliably, right? Yeah, it's that, and there's so there's so much color intensity in, needed in this deck. It's, like I said, a lot of double blue and double white. Yeah. That is pretty much just a blue-white deck with a splash of red. There's, like, four red cards uh, I've put in now, and that's just because I added a deck Faden and a deck's duplicate. Oh, those cards are so good. I love I love deck's duplicate. Yeah, so, yeah, I got actually wrecked by a duplicate earlier today, and I've realized how good it is. It is very good. It is very good, yeah. yeah. I think it's my favorite clone, burner, actually. Yeah, when they duplicate your Bruna, uh, Bruna, attack and steal all of your enchantments. That's the world. You're having a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also the Signets and all the ramp uh, mana rocks will trigger the prowess and be able Mm -hmm. to trigger the the, uh, double strike ability on Mm -hmm. Shuyun. So, yeah, it seems like those are really even... They're awesome in EDH in general, but probably even better in this deck because, like you said, you need the color, but also they do something. Like, they affect the board, you know. So, that's, that's pretty cool. Let's talk about some cards that you may not think of in a deck like this. One one you brought up that is pretty interesting, and you know what? I, I got to confess, like, I've sort of written this card off, and I sort of just never use it. But there, oh, I really there like are probably card. some some decks that I should have this in, and it's Opal Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll read it really quick, and then you can, you can say what you said to me earlier, Rev, which I think is smart. It's a land. You can tap it for one colorless, but also you can tap one and tap Opal Palace and add to your mana pool one mana of any color, that's in your commander's color identity. If you spend this mana to cast your commander, it enters the battlefield with a number of 1-1 counters on it, equal to the number of times it's been cast from the command zone. Very interesting card. Uh, I haven't considered this card in a long time, and, and mm-hmm. this is a really good deck for it. Do you want to talk about your reasoning for, for adding it in, Rev? Yeah, uh, the main reason is, first off, Shu Young is a pretty cheap commander at only 3 mana. And the way this deck is built, uh, I expect him to die a lot. Mm-hmm. Just because if I take someone out there and be like, oh, well, I'm going to have to kill it now. And rightfully so. 
And so then I come back and it's like, well, I need to cast it again. He's going to cost five men and that's fine, whatever. And then I realized I was looking at Opal Palace is that the first time you cast him, if you wait a turn at four mana, he becomes a four three, right. which is four commander damage by itself, but usually it's double strike and that's eight commander damage. Right. They kill him. The next time he comes back, six mana, it's still pretty doable and you don't even have to do it if you don't want to. But then now he comes back as a five four, a lot harder to kill. Right, right, right. Well, basically, Opal Palace on him gives him two power also instead of one. I mean, mm -hmm. if you consider yeah. the, the double strike thing. And not to be complete, I mean, like, you could also... This is color fixing. It's not the best. Yeah. But if you're really desperate to get that extra red or white or whatever, the Opal Palace will do it for you because you don't ha necessarily have to cast a commander with it. Um, this isn't my Marchesa deck, and it is the best land I can ask for. Well, yeah, you want one-one counters. So. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah, I, would, yeah. I would much rather play her in turn five with an Opal Palace than on turn four without one, because yeah. that way you guarantee she's going to recur in some way at least. So it's yeah, it's, it's a really nice tech land, and and in this case, because anyone that knows what they're doing should be killing Shuyun as fast as possible before you get any number of hexproof things on her. But you get him. to this interesting place where Prosh has this sort of thing where you uh, you don't really want to kill him because they come back stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can get there with your universe. Like, crap, I kill that thing. He's going to cast it with the Opal Palace, and now it's going to be, you know, it's going to be bigger than it was last time. Like, that's kind of a pain in the butt. Absolutely. And that's it's one of those things also, if you can kind of tell, you know, guide one of the people in, in political games, it's amazing because you're like, okay, I'm not going to attack you. Don't kill him yet. And then maybe you can get something out there. And then by the time it gets to that point, you've got a couple counters on them after they've yeah, actually and killed like, them. Crap. Yeah, they're like, crap. You can even be like, hey, you can kill him now. And you're like, hey, I'm just going to kill you next turn with a bigger one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Another card that you have on here that uh, I think most people maybe wouldn't have thought of, and you mentioned earlier, is uh, Geist of St. Traft. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Geist is so good. Yeah, it's just a really good card in general. It's uh, one and, again, Azoria, so white and a blue. So three total for a legendary creature. Spirit Cleric, it's 2-2. Two -two. It has hex proof. Whenever Geist of St. Traft attacks, put a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield, tapped in attacking. Exile the token at the end of combat. So, and it's one of the best hexproof creatures maybe ever. Ever, ever yeah. yeah. I it mean, it sees, it sees modern play, right? Does yeah. it see legacy yeah. and all? I don't know about legacy. Not legacy maybe yeah. on the fringe, but yeah. I'm not too in tune with legacy. But it, 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 it's hexproof. It gives an added damage bonus with the thing. And it's like, unless they can deal with enchantments and get rid of the enchantments on the creature, suddenly, anyway, if I give it flying, it's suddenly now just a big flying dude that can make with another flying dude with yeah, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then if they can block it, you can you make an angel, and all of a sudden you can give either, either one of them double strike. Right, and they can't reliably even block your guy because you should have any number of tricks to just kill them with Geist. Yeah, a 2-2 is not very intimidating, but a 2-2 with huge upside with open A 2-2 with terrifying. Eldrazi Conscription on it that has Hexproof <laughs> is pretty terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Or even just as simple as putting an Aqueous Form on it, suddenly it's unblockable, mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. you can't deal with it, and then it's also hitting with an angel too. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, they might not want to block that angel even if they can because if you give it double strike, then all mm -hmm. of a sudden you'll, it'll take something with it that it wouldn't normally, and that doesn't cost you anything. Like, you, don't, you usually don't want to block, like, what is essentially a free creature from them and mm -hmm. lose a card. Like, you don't want to trade your card for nothing. Yeah. So people will be hesitant, I think, to block that 4-4 that four, four angel, and then all of a sudden it can hit them for 8 in the face. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm curious about is uh, when I started building this deck, for me, I was thinking about what I should do and, and where I should keep my sort of, like, priorities. And my priorities when I made my very rough version was cantrips. 
And a mm-hmm. cantrip, for those that don't know, is a spell that essentially when you cast it does something, but very importantly at the bottom says draw a card. So it replaces itself in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and I thought that would be a nice way to do it because you're going to be pumping through so many non-creature spells to trigger this ability on Shuyun. Um, mm-hmm. But instead you went with the aura um, the aura route. And have you found any like card draw pro- troubles or what's your general? There's uh, well, the thing with all the mana restrictions with the deck it turns out a lot of the times I'm looking at casting one spell a turn mm-hmm. um, and to push through. So a lot of the times I haven't had problems with running out of cards, but if they've got any hand disruption, it, it, it gets really hairy pretty quickly. Um, usually if they've got something to keep my creatures locked down, if they've got a, like the Sheola Dread uh-huh. um, or a way to make me keep losing creatures, I'll just be sitting there for a while not being able to do anything. And that's, that's one of the big weaknesses with the deck. Yeah, it's hard to recover from board wipes or, like, shielded effects. And so, yeah, like, there's not a whole lot of card draw in there. I mean, I've got the I've got the core spirit dancer, but mm-hmm. that's dependent on her staying out, which she usually doesn't. Um, curiosity, um, Brainstorm, just because Brainstorm's one of the best card draws out there. Right. Uh, and then other than something like a deck fade, and I don't have a whole lot of card draw, so... It's probably one of the the hardest spots to have in there, but I didn't really want to sacrifice the theme for it just to have more card draw. So I tried to incorporate that in with it as much as I possibly could. Well, this uh, this is a good way to transition into uh, a section we we like to cover with every deck, which is how, if I'm playing against the deck, to fight it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned some things, uh, like I, I can imagine board wipes are pretty... Are pretty yeah, those have to be pretty rough. Yeah, because yeah. I mean that does get around hexproof. That does get around like a lot of the sort of defenses that you've set up about creature removal. Oh, absolutely. Um, like any sort of recurring sacrifice effects, like Sheila Dread. Like if someone puts that out there, and it's really easy because if they're just running like a reanimation package, or one person is and someone discards it for whatever reason, suddenly it's out there and I can't do anything. That was one of the reasons why I was running Assemble the Legion, and I think I'm still going to keep on running it because at that point it gives me a little bit of defense. But um, spot removal before Hexproof and um, board wipes will really, or even like sacrifice effects like uh, a Tribute to Hunger has been one that I've run into a couple times where it will just get you. Even Crackling Doom, if you're running like a Mardu deck, uh, like a Kelly. Oh, yeah, the all of a sudden, it's your biggest thing. You gotta get, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like the biggest thing is always gonna be the guy that I have that has 27 power, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it paints a pretty big target on his back. I, I would think that something like uh, Terminus would be a big pain, too. Which Terminus, is... Terminus and any Tuck effects, like a Spell Crumple or something, will essentially ruin me. Um, because then I've got to rely on the back of the very few creatures I have. And that's another reason why I run the Bestow creatures. Right. Right. But there's yeah. also no way to go find Shu Yun if they tuck it, right? Like, you, it's not like you're in mm-hmm. green or black. So there's, like, no way to go find your tucked general. There's no. Yeah, none. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. I One thing I wrote down. I promise down, I won't tuck your general if we play. <laughs> <laughs> no make, hinder from me. <laughs> I, I make no such promises. <laughs> <laughs> well, who said I kept my promises? Right? Jeez. Uh, another thing I wrote down, which is thankfully rare in the format, but every once in a while you see some sort of like mass, like tranquility type oh, yeah. effect, like destroy mm, all yeah. enchantment type effect. It seems like that would wreck 
that it really will, especially if I start kind of going overboard, seeing how big I can make something and getting silly. And that's just the same reason why you wouldn't, you know, play all of your creatures out if you knew your opponent ran a Wrath of God effect. Right, right. And the mana constraints on the deck as well kind of help that a little bit. Right, so you can't just spew your whole hand out. The deck can't do, can't cast everything. I mean, if I wanted to get cheeky, I would put Omniscience back in here because I do have an Academy Rector and I can just go get it. And that's really fun sometimes. Or Narset can just play it too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so sometimes you can get away with that sort of stuff, but it's the the deck kind of has its own limitations set on it just due to resources. Interesting. I'm glad you actually have Narset in here because there was a lot of hubbub about her being oh, a super fun. a broken commander because the stuff that she can obviously put out into play and cheat into play is insane. Um, yeah. But in this deck, because it enchantments matter, her ability is actually really relevant, which is really nice. Plus, actually. she has like one of your key words, which is hexproof. Yeah, definitely. So, mm-hmm. and that was one of the reasons why she went in. I have a Narset Commander deck, and it's just all good stuff, mm-hmm. and it has omniscience in it. Because you come monster. on, if I can cast it <laughs> and cast everything else, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> may as well go to town. Right. All right, so let's talk about uh, ways to counter their counters. There's, Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of surprised that uh, I don't see Avacyn on the list just because it seems like she protects everything even better. She's, than- yeah, she's uber expensive, and I actually don't have one. Ah. Um, I think I have one uh, in paper. Uh-huh. Um, I only have so, one. Oh, so we're going to see one in card. Vegas? Yeah. We, we might see one in Vegas. I can find <laughs> it. Another going back All things are possible in Vegas. Person. Yeah, it seems like indestructibility would be good to go along with your Hexproof because... Then all of a sudden you're down to only wrath ec- that's exiles. Yeah, yeah. Not even Rats bot removal even exile will do it. Like yeah, it have Supreme to be like merciless eviction. Would do it, right? Yeah, merciless. Sorry, merciless eviction would do it. Yeah. And oh yeah, something like a dark steel plate or something would be pretty good to put in there because at least like as as few equipment as I have in here, like none. Um, it would probably be worthwhile to have one in there. Yeah, because right. all of a sudden you're just narrowing the amount of stuff that can hurt you down pretty far like down to only wrath exiles basically so yeah and i mean it's it's one of those that you're not going to see all the time but i kind of like it in those terms of like oh hey look at that now i have a cool card (laughs) (laughs) the other thing i noticed you don't have any counter magic no i started with it but then it gets away i was able to pretty much kind of overload it with the theme Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i decided not to run counter spells in this because to be perfectly honest i can sometimes just leave up two blue mana and people will completely <laughs> no respect think, it. That is really interesting because that's true. You have a free counter in just by leaving mana up with this yeah. deck. Any and, blue deck, really. Yeah, and so I have, I mean, other than, you know, Cyclonic Rift to bounce something back of theirs to make, you know, do something or mm-hmm. eventually just, you know, cast it for the seven mana reason why you put it in the deck. I don't have a whole lot of that because it's not really that much of an interactive deck uh, on the surface, like you said, with the politicalness, you can make it into an interactive deck by telling like, who do you want me to kill to somebody else? Um, <laughs> but there's not a whole lot of defensive measures. I have an Aetherize in there, so if someone tries to kick back, sometimes that works out. Uh-huh. But a lot of the times I'm just basing it on um, just kind of battering at them. Uh, if I've got something like a Daybreak Coordinate where I have lifelink, I can just um, usually hit with a, a, lot of man- uh, a lot of damage even if I can't get through for whatever reason, they got a jump blocker so I can't poke through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just life gain can get them out of the get me out of any sort of danger. Right. I, I'm assuming this deck races better than most decks just because mm-hmm. you have the ability to choose whoever you want to get double strike and all that. 
Yeah. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. race this deck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can race it with just having enough removal and tough But that's not racing. And, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can control it, maybe, but I don't think you can race it. I don't think you're ever going to be like, I'm out racing your 27 27 double striker. <laughs> I would like to see this go heads up with a Rafik deck and to see what happens there. Oh, that would be fun. Because you share two colors. You share white and blue. Yeah. But uh, Rafik has more creature fetching and uh, you just have more, I guess, burn. <laughs> this deck is using yeah. the red. I'm yeah. not hardly using the red. I mean, I use Elemental Mastery because that's another way. If I've got like one thing that can't poke through, maybe I can get a whole bunch of Elemental creature tokens. Right, right. I actually um, like that a lot because I think always having some kind of it, it also helps if you're trying to combat the token strategy, you know, yeah. being able to at least stop the bleed in some way if you if you get that out. It's mm-hmm. interesting about assemble the legion, and I think yeah, it's a pretty smart choice just to have because that card's so powerful mm-hmm. that sometimes it can just win you the game. And just having a card that's sort of outside of your main, you know, theme, but it's just one or two cards that give you an alternate win condition can be good. Right. Because yeah. At least that way you don't just lose to like one thing every time. Like if they have a tuck effect, well, Assemble the Legion might still get there. Right. And Assemble the Legion is <laughs> an enchantment that's three, a red and a white. And basically at the beginning of your upkeep, you get to put a muster counter on it. And then you put a one, in one, uh, one, one red and white soldier creature token with haste on the battlefield for each counter uh, on Assemble the Legion. So it continues to grow. So if you've yeah. had it out for five turns, you're getting five one ones. Yeah. Every so, upkeep, which is yeah. pretty sweet. I mean, I've seen games where Assemble Legion just wins. Like, nobody manages to get rid of it for five mm-hmm. turns, and then it's just like, well... Well, it's a great little engine that has a lot of upside, and oftentimes it's... it's Like, people pay attention to doubling season and, like, food chain when you put it out, but no yeah. one really looks at Assemble the Legion and goes, oh, boy, that's a must-deal with. <laughs> and then you're popping <laughs> out it, ten tokens a turn, and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, and you can still put all your auras on this stuff, and they got haste. Exactly, so, exactly you know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty... Yeah, I like that card a lot in this deck. So... I guess we've already really talked about the strategy for playing it. We've covered most of the bases. Um, yeah. Is there anything, you know, when you're playing this deck, what do you, do you not want to see on the other side of the table? The color blue. Uh, no, the color blue isn't that bad because usually they can't get going. Now, if it's black or if it's like black green or black white, mm-hmm. those are the issues because usually they've got the board wipes or even just the targeted spot removal because of how good it is. And black also has the sacrifice effects. Yeah, edict um, effects feel like they would be really yeah, the, tough. Yeah, the edicts are rough. White has a lot of people, if they're not running enchantment removal, they're usually running, like, uh, some of the good ones, um, which are, like, the, the, the white one that exiles one, but it will exile two enchantment artifacts during the main phase. Right, yeah. yeah. Return to Dust is, yeah, is yeah, kind of the best exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. And so... Um, they can combat if they can't deal with their creature. They can usually deal with the enchantments. They also have a lot of exile effects, which are pretty rough. Exile exiling like the graveyard can be tough. Um, also, just exiling any, enchant- any enchantments really makes it rougher on me getting mm-hmm. through stuff. Um, so, how do you feel about uh, what happens to this deck when someone, for instance, just ki- is able to consistently remove Shuyun? Is it are, are you able to still operate because you have all these enchantments and stuff, but they don't necessarily have to go on Shuyun, but they don't necessarily also get double strike from you know the his ability. Yeah, it, it at that point it turns into something a, kind of a different monster where I'm just I'm still trying to load up some you know whatever creatures I have left, but if they're consistently able to get rid of him. Um, I do have to kind of just sit back and hopefully be able to um, uh, either use something like a Dax Duplicate or a Phyrexian Metamorph to get one of their creatures, because mm-hmm. usually at that point they're going to be far enough ahead. I, I mean, I run one Day of Judgment in the deck, but that's it, and it's not really all that easy to get to. Right. Um, so that and the Cyclonic Rift to try to you know maybe kill a little bit of time. 
um, and hopefully be able to load up something that'll be able to stop what's going on. Um, sometimes it works, and sometimes if they can get that down, you just have to realize that that's one of the weaknesses of the deck. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find that? I mean, I, I, I'm guessing on Modo, you don't really get the chance to play with someone multiple times in a row. In real life, you do, and I think after you play a deck like this a few times, I, do you find that it, it has sort of a high chance of someone being like, all right, I have the, the hard counter to this, or I have something that can deal with this more effectively? Do you think it falls to that as well? If you're with a normal playgroup, you've got to expect the people that are going to be able to uh, put in something that will ruin you. Um, <laughs> uh, with that, with this deck, it's Oromancer, I think, is the card, which I have um, in my things. And sometimes I put it in if I'm... Sometimes uh, the meta, like on Magic Online, will change where everyone will be suddenly playing a specific deck, like, like I said, with like Nekasar. And so there was a little while, there, a lot of enchantments were going around, so... Um, right, right. Oh, or a Thief, sorry. Yeah, or um, a thief, thief is three colorless yeah. and a blue. It says when it goes to the graveyard, you gain control of all enchantments. If someone plays that against me, I'm suddenly in trouble. But, but it's also kind of weird because I have auras as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's one of those ones that sometimes they, if you have someone that you're playing with consistently, they're going to be able to find a card. Some, if you make someone mad enough because you win a lot, they'll find the card that will they'll beat meta you. you out. Yeah. Do you know how you get around that though? Oh. You play Aura Thief, too. Play your own Aura <laughs> Thief. <laughs> and yeah, that's why I was running one for a while, too. That would and be awesome. Aura Thief. Oh, yeah? Aura Thief. <laughs> and there's just two other players being like, guys, you took every one of my enchantments. Oh, yeah. Ugh, fine. We talked about it last week with Enchanted Evening. I mean, obviously, you're right. not, you don't have green, so, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it's green right? Green and white, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do really like Aura Thief, though. It's a fun card. Yeah, well, it's fun if you played and steal everybody's stuff. It's of not course. fun if they do it to you. <laughs> Look, I haven't... I haven't had someone play it against me yet, so until then, <laughs> it is a fun card. Remember, fun is subjective. Yeah, yeah exactly. True. <laughs> Very nice. All right, well, cool. I'm excited to play against this deck. Uh, yeah, Jimmy's especially because or... it's going to evolve by the time uh, MMA2 comes around. So. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, super super stoked to put this one to paper, actually, too. So I'm super stoked to see it in paper. Yeah, and then uh, we'll maybe we'll have like a Rafik or a Thief off, or we'll figure something out. But we'll uh, we'll do the double strike. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jimmy's got a pretty mean Rafik deck. Double so. strike crew. Yeah, and it's based off of our friend Craig's Rafik deck, which is more mean because it has more infect in it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, he's got an infect Rafik deck that is pretty good. Yeah, that's what being in green is nice for for Rafik. You can definitely yeah. pull off some really powerful one v one interactions there. Yikes! Yeah, surprise there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the end step. I know, Jimmy, you've been chomping at the bit to uh, talk <sighs> about something not magic-related. Justin, you're from Seattle, right? Absolutely. We all know what happened. So you guys will be listening to this a week and two days after the Super Bowl because uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, the Wednesday after the Super Bowl. So the, the loss is still fresh in my mind. And there's been a lot of press about it, and I wanted to address all the, uh, all the haters and all the players. <laughs> but one thing I just wanted to talk about was, I remember when I saw the play happen, and Josh and I were screaming, like, uh, this is, we're so ready, this is great, we just feed it to beast mode, we have three plays here, and 20 seconds is more than enough, we have one timeout, we can totally do this. Um, and then, of course, the Seahawks threw a g- gaming-ending interception, uh, Malcolm Butler made a huge play, and ended the Super Bowl in one. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. If you don't watch football, ring. it's just one of those few moments in life where you go from the highest high to like the, the lowest, lowest low, low in like a heartbeat. A heartbeat, yeah. I mean, there's it's, 
It's like watching the Death Star blow up Alderaan after you've been <laughs> promised by Grand Moff Tarkin that he's not going to do it. It's wow. pretty soul-crushing. That's <laughs> wow. what it felt like to me. Um, and anyway, after, after the game was over, everyone was just screaming at Pete and uh, Daryl Bevel, who was our offensive coordinator, about the play call, saying it was the worst. Pe- I mean, like, uh, straight up on think, air, listen, saying it was the worst play I call in Pete history. I love Pete Carroll, but I think it is the worst play call in history. <laughs> I mean, listen, everybody makes mistakes. It's right. fine. But... I think that's hard to dispute that it's, it's at least among the worst play calls. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, but the thing I wanted to point out is that I don't know if you guys remember this, but the Patriots went 15 and 0 in the season and almost went undefeated for an entire uh, uh, season of NFL, including the Super Bowl, and they lost at the last moment to a miraculous catch from the New York Giants. I had a blast watching that game, and then they mm-hmm. did it again, and Mario Manningham did this like an amazing, another amazing catch and, and ended their Super Bowl hopes. And after seeing my Seahawks lose in that fashion to something that was that felt to that degree, right? It's like a last minute thing. It made me realize that it, it's okay, it's all right. There's a lot of history behind and in front of us. And I've been cheering for the Seahawks for like 15 years, so I've seen some. I mean, not making the playoffs, I think, is way worse than losing at the last second in the Super Bowl. So I've made my peace with it. I have really good friends from Boston that are visiting this week, and they're wearing Patriots gear. Uh. And all I can do is give them a high five and say see you next year, and hopefully we'll uh, maybe maybe we shall meet again. That's my end step. That's do you have anything touching. to say, Josh? Um, go Hawks! I know, right? I know. Twelve man. Yeah, Here we go. go go Hawks! Raise the banner, baby. Still love you, Pete. Uh, I don't know. You got anything, Rev? Yeah, um, I want to throw this out there because we're going to talk a little bit about it uh, on a future. I think on the Wednesday. Uh, uh, BJJ's Geek Nation. So I think tomorrow's actually. Um, there's a movie out there on Xbox uh, Video called Atari Game Over, and it's Ooh, just cool. a little over an hour, and it's all about finding about the uh, urban legend that they buried a whole bunch of ET extraterrestrial uh, right. cartridges in the desert in a landfill there. So it goes over the history of like the downfall of Atari. And like the the meteoric rise at the beginning and all these all-star programmers who were like kind of like the rock stars of their day in those sort of terms. Mm -hmm. And like it was actually really, really cool, really interesting. And I thought it was a fun little look at the like uh, 70s and 80s gaming. Very cool. What's it called again? It's called Atari Game Over. And I know you can get I know you can pay on it for Vimeo, but I saw it for free on Xbox video because I think it's theirs. I think they put it together. Um, and so uh, it's pretty cool. That's cool. That's like one of the, uh, I think, the oldest sort of urban legends that may mm-hmm. or may not be true. You have to watch the documentary to find out about Absolutely. about Atari. Very interesting. Josh, do you have anything? Yeah, my cool thing is there's this cool podcast called BJ Shea's Geek Nation. <laughs> really? Tell me more about yeah, it. Yeah, and it also comes out on Tuesdays, which is when you're listening to this podcast. And it just so happens that today, if you're listening on Tuesday, and if you aren't, it's cool because it's a digital media, so you can still go find mm-hmm. it. Jimmy and I will be on the show. Yeah, we're How on the about show. That? How did that happen? You, you, I mean, it's like we're time. Tra- we're almost like Project <laughs> Almanac here, where um, we're time traveling to the future because we're recording this in the past. But we were it's on true. the show today. Yeah, with Rev on his show through alternate timelines that you can somehow listen to. In yeah. this one. I need a chalkboard to map it all out exactly how it works, but <laughs> it's a great podcast. Um, and I'm pretty sure it. that it was much better because we were on it. <laughs> it will absolutely be much better because you guys yeah, were on it. Yeah, it was Value Town. Um, 
you'll get to have some fun with uh, Mono Nick when he uh, tries to explain his sweet cards that he's brewed. Ooh, I'm I'm very excited for that. Well, um, they're going to geek out about VJS, I think. Oh, I'm excited to talk about it with those guys. And I love the podcast too because it actually it it usually clocks in just around half an hour, and I think that's a really mm-hmm. nice digestible amount. Um, just like for instance, driving home from work, you know, because yeah. usually you have to listen to like those limited resources podcasts over like eight days. And you can, or, or ours is usually like two. Two, it's, yeah, definitely. It's a drive to work and, and from back, work. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this makes, I think, your Tuesday all the sweeter. So if you guys want to find out more about uh, where Rev Unfuego, Justin Robinson, uh, originally found us, check out BJ Shea's Geek Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at BJ Geek Nation or just go to BJGeekNation.com. And Rev, your Twitter is at Rev Fuego, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely and you go can f- find you can find all of that at uh, uh, BJ Geek Nation as well. Cool. Right. Definitely and go that, hit that follow button and uh, yeah, check us out on their cast. And that's pretty much it. Is I don't know ending? why I said and. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't have anything else. I was like, I looked at you and I was like, <laughs> and what? I said and, and then I was like, oh crap! Why did I say and? I don't have anything after that. Oh, I know what you wanted to say. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks for being on, Justin. It was great talking. Thank you so much, you guys. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>